Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You'll find multiple tiers there to choose from, and every dollar helps keep the podcast going. If you ask someone what the national sport of Canada is, nine times out of ten, they're going to say hockey. They aren't wrong, but they aren't completely right either. In fact, Canada has two national sports. Our winter national sport is hockey, but our summer national sport is lacrosse. Without lacrosse, it's likely we may have never had hockey, and lacrosse has played a role in Canada's history going back long before Europeans ever arrived. Lacrosse can trace its roots to the indigenous people, but the game they played was much larger and much more intense than the game we see today. This also makes lacrosse one of the oldest, if not the oldest, team sport in North America. The first documented description of lacrosse by a European was in 1637, and at that time the game was called Bakatawe, and it was played with two teams of a hundred to a thousand men on a field that was a half a kilometer to three kilometers long. Several indigenous groups played the game, and the name for the game varied heavily, with some names being Little War, Little Brother of War, and Bump Hips. For the indigenous people, the game was a gift from the creator, and it was played in the name of the creator as well. The game was related in an Ojibwa legend called Why Birds Go South in Winter, which was related here from a recording of a radio program. Now it's a long clip, but it's a wonderful legend and a story that shows the importance of the game to the indigenous. Long ago, there was only summer. The days were always warm and sunny. Winter and snow were unknown. For the young, it was a time of happiness. They played all the time. Animals played with animals, fish played with fish, insects played with insects, birds played with birds. They had many games, hide-and-seek, blind man's buff, and tag. They ran races, they wrestled, and they played lacrosse. Mong, the loon, was no different from any of the other young birds. He played all their games, but most of all, he liked to play lacrosse. If he had had his way, he would never have played anything else. The trouble was that his friends did not always want to play lacrosse. Sometimes Mong had to beg them to share his game. Finally, Mong decided that the only thing to do was to challenge the other birds to a match. Off he went to look for someone to challenge. He did not have to go far, 
Almost at once he met the raven. Boldly, Mong dared him. My team can beat the feathers off your team any time. The raven cackled and croaked and then flew off without bothering to answer Mong. Mong watched the raven disappear. He was very upset that the raven had paid no attention to his dare. Oh well, he thought to himself, there are better players than the raven. Besides, the raven cheats. Deep in thought, Mong almost bumped into Bena, the grouse. Once again, Mong tried a bold challenge. Looking Bena in the eye, he snarled, Get out of my way, runt, or I'll rub your beak in the ground, just as I would on the lacrosse field. Bena puffed up his feathers in anger. Then, just as quickly, he relaxed, and a smile spread slowly over his face. I know what you're up to, Bena said, but you can't trick me. I don't feel like playing lacrosse. Get somebody else. And Bena turned and strutted off into the bush. Mong was stunned. Twice he had been refused, very rudely. Well, he would just have to try again. Before long, Mong spied Kiakiak, the hawk, sitting on a dead tree, cleaning his beak. Mong was just about to dare Kiakiak when he remembered his meeting with Bena. This time he spoke very pleasantly. Do you want to play lacrosse, Kiakiak? Mong asked. I don't think so, Kiakiak squawked. It's too hot. Mong answered very quickly, for he realized that Kiakiak had not said no. We can play tomorrow, he said, but let's choose our teams now. You can have first choice. Kiakiak stretched out his wings and shook his tail. Lacrosse is no fun when it's so easy for me to win, he said. To show his strength, Kiakiak squeezed the dead tree with his talons so hard that he broke off some chips. Let's make a bet then, Mong answered. If you win, I'll do whatever you want. If I win, you'll have to play lacrosse with me whenever I want. You're taking a big chance, Kiakiak said. I'm sure to win. Then you'll have to do whatever I ask. Yes, yes, Mong replied eagerly. He knew that he would win. Let's choose our teams now. First, Kiakiak picked the raven, and Mong picked the Canada goose. Then Kiakiak asked for the cardinal, and Mong for the kingbird. Next, Kiakiak chose the owl, and Mong the robin. By the end of the afternoon, the teams were made up. On his side, Kiakiak had the raven, the owl, the chickadee, the snowbird, the cardinal, the woodpecker, the grouse, the junco, the pheasant, the partridge, the magpie, and the ptarmigan. Mong had the Canada goose, the kingbird, the robin, the sparrow, the bluebird, the oriole, the scarlet tanager, the plover, the thrasher, the swallow, the catbird, and the kingfisher. Kiakiak's team was strong and included a few cheaters like the raven, but Mong was not worried. We'll meet tomorrow morning as soon as the sun comes up, Mong said, and the team that scores the first goal wins the game. Agreed, answered Kiakiak. The next morning at sunrise, all the birds gathered to watch the two teams play. Kiakiak's fans were on one side of the field, and Mong's were on the other. The game started. The woodpecker was keeping goal for Kiakiak's team, and the oriole for Mong's. From the beginning, Mong's team went on the attack. Their fans cheered loudly. Mong's players were very quick, but they could not seem to score. Still, Kiakiak's fans were quiet. Their team was slow. 
It seemed to be just a matter of time before Mong's team slipped a goal past the woodpecker. Soon, the grouse was injured and had to leave the field. Mong's supporters cheered. Then the raven was knocked down. He lay on the field, rolling in pain and croaking for help. No one paid any attention to him. The rule was that play would not stop until the first goal was scored. Then the swallow got the ball. He threw it with all his might towards Kiakiak's goal. As the ball went flying past the raven, he jumped to his feet and caught it. Off he raced towards Mong's goal. With a quick flip, he scored on the Oriole. The fans crowded in to hear what Kiakiak would demand of Mong. Mong, Kiakiak said, this is your penalty for losing. From now on, whenever the east wind blows, it will bring clouds and rain and thunderstorms, and you won't be able to play lacrosse. The birds gasped. They had never heard of such a thing. But Mong did not pay much attention. You only won because the raven cheated, he shouted. We were winning until the raven pretended that he was hurt. Let's have another game tomorrow. I know you can't win without cheating. What's the bet? asked Kyakyak. The same bet, said Mong. If I win, you must play lacrosse whenever I ask. If I lose, I must do whatever you want. This time, though, I'd like to have the raven on my team. Agreed, said Kyakyak. We can win without him. At daybreak the next day, a huge crowd gathered at the field. Even the animals came to watch. Who would win the second game? What penalty would Kyakyak demand if he won a second time? Once again, right from the start, Mong and his team carried the play to Kyakyak's end of the field. They passed the ball so quickly and so deftly that Kyakyak's players could not touch it. Still, Mong's team could not score on the woodpecker. He darted this way and that, blocking the ball with his feet, his wings, and his tail. The game went on and on. Late in the afternoon, Mong's team began to tire. One of Kyakyak's players got the ball and threw it down the field towards Mong's goal. The raven, who was playing just as hard for Mong as he had for Kyakyak, caught the ball. He raced towards Kyakyak's goal. As he ran, the grouse came up behind him and tripped him. The raven lost the ball. The grouse grabbed it and carried it back down the field. Just as dusk was falling, he slipped the ball past the oriole and brought the long game to an end. Foul! Foul! screamed Mong and his teammates amid the thundering cheers of Kyakyak's fans. Foul! Mong screamed again to Boonsaw, the vulture, who was the referee. But Boonsaw had not seen the grouse trip the raven. He declared that the score would stand. Everyone rushed to the center of the field. What penalty would Mong and his team have to pay this time? Kyakyak looked sternly at Mong. From now on, he said, whenever the north wind blows, it will bring snow and bitter cold. You and your friends will have to leave this land. That very night, the north wind began to blow. Mong and his friends shivered in the snow. They could not stand the cold. Just as Kyakyak had said, they had to leave the land they loved. Every year after that, the north wind brought the cold winter and Mong and his friends had to fly to the south. If Mong had not been so eager to play lacrosse, if he had not made that foolish bet, winter would never have come. Prior to the game, the rules would be decided on the day before. 
Some of the common rules of the game included that there were no out-of-bounds and the ball could not touch anyone's hands. Usually goals were rocks or trees, and the game would last from sunrise to sunset. As the game evolved, poles were used as the goal. When poles were used, a mark was placed about chest high. When the ball hit above that mark, one point was awarded. If it hit below, no point was awarded. If the ball hit well above the halfway mark, then two points were awarded. And at the top of the pole was sometimes found a large figure of a sacred animal. And if it was hit by the ball, that was three points. Most games typically reached 20 points, and the audience usually kept the score. Balls were made of wood or deerskin that had been stuffed with hair. Most balls were no more than about 3 inches in diameter, and as for the sticks that were used, they were typically giant spoons with no netting, initially at least, but eventually netting would evolve. Sticks were bent and usually measured about 2 to 5 feet and featured carvings to aid the players in the game. Lacrosse sticks were no simple item to many, and it was not unusual for players to request that they be buried with their stick beside them. Pre-game rituals were always held and were very similar to the indigenous rituals related to war. Players would paint their bodies and there would be strict rules of what a player could eat before the game. The night before any game, players would take part in a special dance and wear ceremonial outfits. And as players walked up to the field where the game would be played, they would have to conduct several rituals including going to the water and dunking their sticks in. A shaman would also give a spiritual talk to the players. Before the game could be played, players would have to place a wager. Anything could be part of the wager, from a knife to something even more important. At the end of each quarter of the game, items would be awarded to the winner of that quarter. The game would typically begin with a ball being tossed in the air and two sides rushing towards it. A mob of players would typically swarm the ball, and it was believed passing the ball was thought of as a trick, and it was cowardly to dodge an opponent. Once the game was over, a ceremonial dance would take place, followed by a feast for the very hungry players. Lacrosse was not just a game to the indigenous people. It was something much more. One of the biggest benefits was that it helped to settle intertribal disputes, and it likely helped keep the Six Nations of the Iroquois Alliance together as a result. Lacrosse was also played as a way to train young warriors, and, as I stated before, for religious purposes. In the 1630s, Jesuit missionaries arrived in the St. Lawrence Valley and saw the game for the first time. They quickly condemned it because of the betting involved and what they perceived to be the violent nature of the game. They were also against the religious aspects related to the game. Now the indigenous people did not call the game lacrosse. That name likely came from the French, and it's believed to be their name for field hockey, which was Le Jeu de la Crosse rather than the shape of the stick used by the indigenous, which resembled a bishop's cross, as many have been led to believe. While Jesuit missionaries did not like the game, many early colonists certainly did, and betting with Europeans quickly became common when games were held. By 1740, French colonists were starting to take up the game themselves. The indigenous saw the interest in lacrosse among the Europeans, and would sometimes use that to their advantage. In 1763, Chief Pontiac of the Ottawas would hold a match outside Fort Mackinac and invite soldiers from the fort outside to watch the game, which he said was being held in honour of the king's birthday. When the soldiers came out, the Ottawa players began to move the game closer and closer to the fort entrance until they could run inside 
and take over the fort. In 1834, Indigenous people would demonstrate lacrosse in Montreal, and interest began to grow in the game. Within 20 years, we would have modern lacrosse. In 1842, the Montreal Olympic Athletic Club would form, becoming what is believed to be the first lacrosse club in history, and it would be another 26 years before another country had a lacrosse team, when the United States launched the Mohawk Lacrosse Club in 1868. In 1856, William George Beers, who had founded the Montreal Lacrosse Club a decade earlier, coded rules in place to create modern lacrosse. Beers was such a staunch patriot of Canada, even before it was a country, that he saw the game of lacrosse as something as a symbolic sport through which Canadian nationalism could grow. In 1869, as the popularity of lacrosse had grown heavily, he would write, If the Republic of Greece is indebted to the Olympic Games, if England has cause to bless the name of cricket, so may Canada be proud of lacrosse. It has raised a young manhood throughout the Dominion to active, healthy exercise. It has originated a popular feeling in favour of physical exercise and has, perhaps, done more than anything else to invoke a sentiment of patriotism among young men in Canada. It is believed that due to its popularity, in 1859, it was named the National Game of the Province of Canada. But no official government records exist of this, but it is cited in various books and newspaper accounts. In Scribner's Monthly, dated May-October 1877, it is stated, The game of lacrosse, which was adopted as the National Game of Canada on the 1st of July 1859, the first Dominion Day, the game of lacrosse was granted this status in the 1800s not merely because of its popularity or economics, but because it has made a significant and lasting contribution to the history and development of this nation, its people, and the sport community. In 1867, the Canadian Lacrosse Association would be formed, spearheaded by Beers, and become, to this day, the governing body of lacrosse in Canada. This would make it the first governing body of sport in Canadian history. The club was formed on the motto of Our Country and Our Game. And by the end of the year, there were 80 clubs operating across Quebec and Ontario. And that same year, the first tour of the sport would be held overseas when Captain W.B. Johnson organized a tour of England. In 1876, a second tour was held and Queen Victoria would witness an exhibition game of the new form of lacrosse and stated that it was a very pretty game to watch. With this seeming endorsement of the game, many English girls' schools began to adopt it. By this point, the game was quickly growing. Montreal boasted 11 teams, while 7 operated in Toronto. Clubs were also found in Ottawa, Hamilton, and Quebec City, while a 100 other clubs operated out of various towns in Ontario and Quebec. By the spring of 1883, clubs were popping up in Edmonton, and by 1889, clubs were registered in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and British Columbia. The last future province to join the lacrosse club would be Saskatchewan, when it formed its first clubs in 1893. Games by this point were drawing huge crowds, with 5,000 to 10,000 people attending matches in the 1880s. Lacrosse was also a leader in innovation. In August of 1880, the first night games were played under electric light at the Shamrock Lacrosse Field. As well, during breaks in the game, track and field events would be held. By 1883, the third tour of England was held, and the sport was being used as a way to get people interested in coming to Canada. 
A touring team, which consisted of several Iroquois players, visited Scotland, and while there, handed out promotional literature about the benefits of moving to Canada. In 1892, Frank Gall would write an account of a game that he had watched between two indigenous groups at Keokuk Falls. When the game started, it was a wonderful thing to see, how the Braves handled the ball with their handmade clubs, but when the first fellow got the ball, some player hit him over the head with a club, peeling the skin until it hung over his ear. As soon as a player was knocked out, the squaws would carry him off the field to a pool of water nearby where they would wash his wounds and restore to consciousness, if possible. In 1901, Lord Minto, the Governor General of Canada, donated a silver cup to be used as the Senior Amateur Championship. The Minto Cup, used to this day, is one of the biggest prizes in lacrosse. The game had grown enough that by 1904 it was an Olympic sport. It would be played in the Summer Olympics in 1908 as well, before it was dropped as an official sport. In 1904, Canada would field two teams, while the United States would field one. The Shamrock Lacrosse team would take the gold medal for Canada, while the St. Louis Amateur Athletic Association took silver. Another team from Canada, made up of Mohawks, would take bronze. In 1908, only Great Britain and Canada fielded a team for lacrosse at the Olympics, and Canada would take the gold. That Canadian team would also field two notable hockey players. Clarence McCarrow, who had won two Stanley Cups with the Montreal Hockey Club in 1895 and 1902, and Tommy Gorman, who had helped to form the National Hockey League in 1917. He would become the manager of the Ottawa Senators and would help lead them to three Stanley Cups, followed by four more Stanley Cups with three more teams. In 1910, a Montreal team travelled all the way to New Westminster to challenge for the Championship of Canada. And that game was a huge event, with 15,000 people coming out to watch, despite New Westminster only having a population of 12,000 at the time. That same year, Sir Donald Mann, the architect of the Canadian Northern Railway, donated a gold cup that would be awarded to the national senior champion. In this clip from 1943, Bill Good relates the recent Man Cup match. Good afternoon, sport fans. This is Bill Good speaking from Winnipeg, Manitoba, and getting all set for another session with news, views, and gossip from the world of sport. This is news of sport wherever sport is being played and wherever sport is being followed. And here is today's headline. Headline news this afternoon is the triumph of the new Westminster Salmon Bellies over the Brampton Mimical Combines three games to one for the Canadian Lacrosse Championship and the Man Trophy. Lacrosse, Canada's national game, deserves front page prominence on any sport program or on any sport page. The new Westminster Salmon Bellies, did you know, almost didn't start the season last July. With the manpower situation being the way it is, the British Columbia team almost decided to forget about league play this year. But at the last minute, a few hardy souls decided to stay in the picture for another year at least. The club lost a few early encounters in their own league, but they finally wound up on top of the pile and then went on to win the Canadian crown. When the Salmon Bellies won that title last week, it marked the 18th time in 33 years that the lacrosse title has been claimed by British Columbia clubs, and that is a mighty proud record. The final had a wonderful finish to our way of thinking. As the train carrying the combines back home passed through Calgary, sports writers went aboard to interview the losers, and they heard this comment from Eugene Dopp, past president of the Canadian Association. 
I have nothing but the highest praise for the Salmon Bellies, he said. They played better lacrosse than combines, and they deserved to win. Any more fitting way to wind up a series? I don't think so. It makes a fellow feel good to hear comments like that from the losing side. It makes us forget all the other comments we so often hear past. You know, I hate to see lacrosse lose a lot of the prominence it used to claim throughout the Dominion. We see very little, little of it played out here in the prairies, and that's too bad, too. I recall talking to Father Athel Murray, who heads the Notre Dame College of Wilcox in Saskatchewan, and he told me about a year ago that he expected to see lacrosse come back into its own before very long. The good father ranks lacrosse on a par with hockey and baseball, and he's an authority on all three sports. Perhaps, when the war is over, our national game will return to the Canadian sporting spotlight. We all surely hope so. Several future Hockey Hall of Famers would take up the sport by this point, including Cyclone Taylor and Newsy Lalonde. Taylor was making $2,000 a year, while Lalonde was making $3,000 a year. This is equivalent to $36,000 to $54,000 a year today. Most players made about $100 a year, while stars usually brought in $1,000 a year. In 1928, 1932, and 1948, lacrosse was a demonstration event at the Summer Olympics. In 1928, the United States, Canada, and Great Britain participated, each taking one win in a round robin. In 1932, it was Canada and the United States, with the Americans winning two games to one. In the final time lacrosse appeared at the Olympics, Canada did not participate. In 1967, the World Lacrosse Championship would be created, being held every four to five years. Out of 13 total championships, Canada has won three gold, six silver, and four bronze. The Women's Lacrosse World Cup would be created in 1982, being held every three to four years. Canada has won two silvers and two bronze at that event. In 1994, through the National Sport Act, lacrosse would officially be named Canada's National Summer Sport, while hockey would be named our national winter sport. Information comes from worldlacrosse.sport, Canadian Encyclopedia, Wikipedia, theculturaltrip.com, the Iroquois Nationals, the Canadian Lacrosse Association, and CBC. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Canadian History X. If you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadax.com, and you can visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history at canadax.com. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.